welcome back to I've Tried Everything, a podcast focusing on behavior supports in schools. I'm your host, Angela Eisenberg, Project Coordinator at Region 13. Every week, I talk with educators just like you. We cover some tough topics, share stories, and explore what works and what doesn't. Let's go. I'm very excited to be joined today by Whitney Brown. She is over special programs in Smithville ISD. Whitney and I have had a long-standing relationship. We used to be colleagues together uh, an eon ago, a very long time ago. We worked together on a ninth grade campus, Bastrop ISD. And I feel very lucky that we have her on our podcast. She has been a high school teacher, an elementary, middle school teacher, special ed, gen ed, administrator, testing. She's been at central office. What else have you done in the world of education? I was actually also a para for a little bit when I first got it started in content mastery and then in PE, me, a PE para. Like that's kind of unreal right there. She can't catch anything. It's really funny. (laughs) It's a family rule. So knowing that you've been in education for a while and you've held a lot of different positions in a, a lot of different areas, how have you seen behavior change from 20 years ago to behaviors now that we're seeing on some of the campuses? My philosophy is kids are kids. Kids are the same now as as they were previously, and they react to that environment around them that has changed. So a lot of the behaviors that we see change are sometimes just due to environment. Kids respond to us the same way they would have if we have good structures in place and good procedures in place. I don't feel like that has changed so much. I think it's how they're interacting with the world that has led to some of these behaviors that we are seeing more of. But I do feel like a lot of those are stemming from social emotional aspects to trauma or even secondary trauma. I feel like we see a lot of kids are like, I know this happened to my friend. And they have behaviors then that stem perhaps from what I think of as secondary trauma with kiddos. I do see more incidences of, you know, some aggressive behaviors Whereas in the past, if a student had started to become aggressive, they were just kind of taken away. We didn't have to deal with following through with that and helping the kid come up with a plan or recover from that. Whereas now I feel like we are so much more focused on that on campuses and just as a society in general, as that's that's really is an important aspect of how we're helping kids grow. And because that is in place, we do see more of those behaviors on campuses. I think it's where that knee-jerk reaction in the past was just send them to a discipline alternative campus or OSS, out-of-school suspension kind of thing, where now we're looking at what was the root cause of the situation, where let's investigate all of that. And then we also have lots of protections that are out there. If you look at Chapter 37 in the state of Texas, there's a lot of different things as an administrator that you have to look at differently now than we did 20 years ago. In education, for example, you have to look at the students' lives and their experiences and have some of those experiences impacted how they're behaving on campus, which I think a lot of people aren't aware of what all is in Chapter 37 that exists out there. Oh, absolutely, unless you've had to go through that training. And why would they know, right? Why would teachers know they're not having to sit in Chapter 37? I mean, their first job is, you know, instruction. And there's not necessarily a reason for them to know all the nuts and bolts of it, but it does help for them to be aware of certain things. And sometimes you can clarify those if a kid comes to you as an administrator and you have to exact, you know, a consequence in a certain way, um, a teacher doesn't understand. And you can say, well, this is why this has to be this way. And, And most teachers are reasonable and they'll understand that. 
a lot of the things we do are based on empathy and just empathy for this kid. Like, I can understand you have this trauma and this is why, and let's help you get through that. And so I think we've put some things in place and changes in legislation that are almost like a forced empathy. Like, we want you to be aware of this. And so just helping teachers be able to see that as to the why instead of being so focused on the punitive side of things has been a beneficial change that I've seen in my 23 years. So um, how is Smithville right now with your staff? Are y'all, do y'all still, are y'all still looking for some, some teachers or a paraprofessional? Um, so anybody yeah. listening, yeah. Smithville might be hiring. <laughs> we do. Like I need, I am short two certified SPED teachers at my elementary. And I will say our kids in Smithville are, are great. I've worked in a big district. I've worked in a small district and, you know, guys, we still talk about, oh, they're not following the dress code. And my philosophy is if you're worried about the dress code, then you really don't have big problems. Like, no. but I do have at least three SPED positions currently open in addition to some other gen ed positions. But yeah, I get to focus on special programs. So oh, yes, if you're that's a SPED awesome. teacher, please come out. And we give stipends, like we're giving a retention <laughs> bonus, like in January, help you pay off your credit card bills from Christmas. And then another one in June. So we are trying to stay competitive with pay. Because we know we're competing more with big schools, more so than little schools our size. Thinking about the teacher shortage that is existing, paras, substitutes, everything in between. What is at least a couple of things that you feel like could be done to address the teacher shortage? If somebody asks you, and, and you were on the, the Texas task force for addressing the shortage, what would you add to their plate to think about? I feel at an advantage because I do have a close friend who is on that task force. And so I kind of plug things in his ears. But number one, it is what can we take off their plates? If your campus is doing some data collection or a grading process, or if there is something happening on your campus that what I consider fluff or not completely necessary, we've really got to prioritize what we're doing with our time and ensuring that the time teachers do have is useful. And then the other one is what can I do to give teachers back time? Our elementaries have a pretty robust PLC structure in place. So they are getting some time. Let's be honest, guys, 45 minutes, five times a week is not enough of a conference period. So those are things I'm always trying to advocate for in this kind of newish role I'm in at Central Office. It's a very different vibe for me because I'm used to being in the trenches. But just trying to continue to advocate or even looking through and helping campuses process through what is the main priority we want teachers to do this new thing because it's more efficient, but we're going to get rid of these other two things we were doing. I think we just have to be more efficient in the way we're getting teachers to do the things that we have to do if it's to meet compliance or a new legislative requirement or even just how we process through data to help making sure kids are making progress that we're doing things efficiently for teachers. We were having a conversation earlier today about we add to the plate, but we very rarely take off the plate. And we don't reevaluate, like, how do things fit together? And a lot of times our teachers don't feel like they have permission to take things off their plate. Mm -hmm. They've been in a training two or three years ago on something, and nobody told them that they don't have to keep doing whatever it is that they got training. And I think for behavior, I've seen campuses do conscious discipline, restorative discipline, Harry Wong's first days of school, Fred Jones tools for teaching. But if you never say, hey, guys, this is the direction we're headed, you can let go of some of those practices that we were saying you had to have in place before, it makes it really challenging for teachers to navigate 
and know like this is what I'm supposed to do, especially for our veteran teachers. For brand new teachers, sometimes they don't know what to put on the plate. <laughs> or they don't, sometimes they don't even know where the plate is, bless their hearts. So it's trying to support them. And then just, again, it all goes back to what are you prioritizing? And I think so many times because accountability is is still hanging over our heads and it's such a driving force in what we do, even though I do like a lot of the things that are happening with the redesign because I feel like it will truly more mirror what we do in the classroom on a daily basis. But we've got to really look hard at how we are monitoring progress. I think that's one of our greatest areas for efficiency. We don't need necessarily multiple, multiple things. We can condense things into something simple. And not only that, let our programs work for us giving teachers the access that they need. One of the best things we did when I was an admin on a campus was we made sure all teachers had complete access to what they needed. They didn't have to wait for me to run the report to get it to them. I mean, because essentially it's their data, not mine. And what we worked hard to do was to teach them how to look at that data. I'm very much not an enabler personality. I'm like, you're an adult, you're skilled. I I can teach you how to do this and then you can do it for yourself. And then you can be more independent and be able to do those on your own because I can't hold your hand through this forever, especially when you're in a small district and you don't have a whole team of people to support that. It couldn't just be me and the principal doing it all. We worked hard to try to build that capacity within our teachers. We had teachers who were able to, at the end of it, I feel like they could go through and write their own star test. Like it was up to that rigor because we had gone through and taught them and vetted so many things that they had written that they had that capacity to do it. I think, you know, eliminating the fluff and really having efficient systems, not bogging down and all the new cool things, the ways you can do things. Keep it simple and just building capacity with your teachers so that they're independent. And that has been the greatest areas of growth I have seen for the teachers that I've worked with. That's awesome. So if you had to go back in the classroom today, if somebody said, Whitney, you're going to teach again. Seventh grade language arts, that's where I go. Because <laughs> right. they are so funny. So seventh grade language arts, you're there. What behavior aspects or systems or processes would you make sure that were in place in that seventh grade English classroom? Number one, I'm just going to make sure I have certain processes in place. They're going to know what they're supposed to be doing and all the time. They're going to know how to ask for help. Those are the two biggest ones. And they're going to know that I'm there to support them, but that I also mean business. People, especially when you get to secondary, having that benefit of doing everything basically from pre-K through high school— I've seen it all. Elementary teachers are the masters of the process. And it was phenomenal to me how a teacher could get 22 five-year-olds to get lined up. Everybody's doing this all at the same time. I'm like, oh, that that is amazing to me. And so I think I would definitely go back and take a lot of those things I learned in a kindergarten classroom by watching those teachers and implement that in my seventh grade classroom because it works. And then you can really focus on the instructional piece, but just kids need to know what the expectations are. I'd be very clear. I'd probably cut back on the sarcasm a little bit, even (laughs) though I'm like really good at it, you know, but it's just, I would, I think I would just make sure I had those structures in place that would have made my life so much easier when I was teaching junior high, if I'd had those things in place. So let's take you back and say, you're a principal. You're a principal on a campus And what behavior initiatives or one initiative would be key for you to make sure was there? There's so many, right? Yeah. Like we have this whole catalog. Because guys, what we need to do in schools, it's not a secret. Everything's out there. It's all been tried before. You don't need anything new. Mm -hmm. 
number one, making sure there's an expectation for teachers to build relationships with their students. It is critical. And I know I will follow board teachers on Facebook and some of these others. And and you see some of those negative memes about like, don't tell me that building relationships is going to fix it. No, it, it's not necessarily the fix, but what it is is when things go sideways, you've got that relationship yeah. to fall back on and you can recover that relationship with that kid so that kid can process through and and continue to learn and make progress because that's what our job is, yeah. is no matter what, is that this kid is learning and making progress and what do we have to do to get that there? So that would be a big focus but then again, building capacity with teachers to be able to run their classrooms. Yeah. I think I would be in classrooms more. I want you to think about the thing that you love the most about being around kids on a campus. What is the thing that just makes you thrive being around kids? Um, kids are hilarious. <laughs> I, they? I think they're just funny. I get inspired by them when I'm around them. They just make me happy to be around them. And like I said, when I say to go back and teach seventh grade language arts, people are like, oh my gosh, you're insane. I'm like, I didn't say I wanted to be their administrator because <laughs> I don't want to be the administrator for them. But I, I, I love junior high kids. They're so silly and funny and they don't even know what's what in the world. I kind of approach every day when I was in the classroom of what entertainment value can I get out of this day? For me personally, in addition, yeah. you know, you have the teaching and the learning going on, but I didn't get too bogged down when they would have their big moments with me or whatever, take it personally. It's just part of the package with them. And I just, they're funny. I think kids are funny. I'm thinking about a situation when Whitney and I were teaching, we um, had an assistant principal. His name was Mr. Elliot. Hands down, miss him. mentor beyond mentor. I learned so much from him. I had a kid in my classroom that fell asleep and he his name was James. He, he would not get up. We tried, we tried everything. We tried kind of like doing a little shake. We we tried like making a noise by him. He just was completely asleep. The bell rang. He's still asleep. Um, Mr. Elliot comes down the hallway and I'm like, Mr. Elliot, I don't know what to do. I like, I, we try to wake him up and he will not wake up. Um, so Mr. Elliot's like, I got this. So he was, he was in Miss Brown's classroom after mine. So he goes down to Miss Brown's classroom and he brings all of Miss Brown's kids into my, my room, kids. all the kids to the opposite side of the campus, <laughs> walks him down there and he goes, okay, Miss Brown, start teaching. Just do your thing. Um, so poor James wakes up. At some well, Mr. Point. Elliot dropped a book. Oh, like, yeah, right. Right. He's up beside him so to, to, to wake him up. All the kids were in on it. <laughs> and poor James. But I, I don't think he fell asleep again, but it was no. very it was very cute. Um, but yeah, so I think sometimes it's just the fun things that it's the camaraderie too, that when you have a really cool group of teachers together and you are a network of of staff uh, from administrators down to to teachers and y'all are working collaboratively for the best for your students. That to me is what excites me about being on campuses and around. Mm -hmm. And of course, again, I think kids are funny to you. So here's your last question. If you could sum up your first couple of months of 2022, 2023, what song would oh best God. sum up how you're feeling right now. It could be a feeling. It can be like a, oh my gosh. That's hard. I mean, I listen to all different kinds of music. I kind of am in the realm of rise up. Like I can rise up and do it again. 
or maybe a little bit of I will survive. Like, it's going to be okay. I will survive this. Um, so those would be kind of my songs I'm, of 2022, I'm 2023. Totes, I'm totes feeling that I will survive. Um, sometimes I feel like we're a little bit in another one bites the dust with teachers <laughs> that keep resigning. Like, oh, oh no. Lord. You know, there's that too. And then maybe a little truth hurts just because like, Sometimes like this, this is the reality of where we're at right now in education. And it's a little scary to me when I look at what things are gonna look like in the next few years, if we don't have some major course correction, especially at the legislative level, because there's all these things that we can do with the campus level to help and support. But if we don't have some important changes and support coming from our state, then I'm a little wary of what that looks like for us as public educators. It'll be interesting to see what that task force ends up presenting to that legislative session whenever yeah. they're back in session. So thank you, Whitney. I am so well, glad you, that Angela. you're with me. It's always great to laugh with you and, and get time with you. So thank you for being a part of my podcast. You're welcome. Thanks for bullying me into do it. <laughs> Anytime. <laughs> Bye. Thanks for listening to I've Tried Everything. Join me next week as we continue on our journey for behavior supports in schools. Remember to subscribe and you can always find great resources at Region 13's website. Just search behavior. Talk to you next time.